I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. fun about researching for podcasts yeah no idea how long an episode is going to be no idea every time i'm like writing this shit down i'm like i don't know like i have no idea how long any of these episodes are going to be so yeah that's a fun learning curve that i didn't anticipate yeah hey well so far they've both been like exactly an hour so i think you're doing pretty good (laughs) So far, so good. We're getting there. Um, I also, like, don't write scripts or do super hard notes. Mm-hmm. Like, they're very loosey-goosey. Yeah. So I'm like, maybe I'll talk slow. Maybe I'll rush through it. Maybe I'll try and read it and then halfway through be like, this is dumb, and skip an entire <laughs> section. I don't know. Um, so welcome back. Welcome. Um, <laughs> Should we start introducing ourselves? Oh, yeah, that's probably a good <laughs> idea. Yeah, that's probably a great idea. I think we did that the first episode, and then we just skipped it the second. Yeah. Anyways, I'm a lot... <laughs> I'm sorry. Were you about to commit? <laughs> Identity fraud. I really was. I really said, let's mix things up. No, nobody can tell us apart at school, and then now no, I can't. You can't tell us apart. I'm like I am Alaska at this point. <laughs> Alaska, if you will. <laughs> I won't. Okay, all right. <laughs> I'm Spencer. Yes, and I'm Alaska. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> we're gonna jump right back in. Last week we ended by talking about her buying a house for her mom yes and her mom quitting her job to come and travel with her on tour um we're gonna kind of move backwards a little bit in time uh this is going to be not as linear as the first two episodes were so let's just kind of get into it these are a bunch of like random instances in her life that stood out to me that Mm -hmm. i feel like are important of building all of these elements to what happens later right um, so from the beginning, there was a pretty strong theme of Brittany being heavily controlled in all aspects of her life. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, she became famous very young, was still essentially a child. I think 17-year-olds are children. Yes, they are. Um, because they are. Yes. <laughs> they, they're children. Yeah. Um, but even more than that, I think because she was such a cash cow to so many adults in her life, they they very much controlled every aspect of her life and I think one of the first instances of this that really stood out to Brittany was when one of her dancers TJ was fired Mm. so Trey James Espinosa he was a dancer for Brittany since the beginning so I mentioned last time that when she was promoting uh, baby one more time she went on a mall tour Mm -hmm. and he was on the mall tour with her so her first dancer oh gee yeah yes um and they were very close friends she considered all of her dancers her best friends um she was i think it's because it's the only time she felt like one of the crowd and felt a kinship with anyone Mm -hmm. was with like her dancers right um and she became extremely close to him they actually called him tj spears because they were like best friends um and for years she she fought to keep him you know 
on her team. And eventually her management just saw him as replaceable and thought that she had outgrown him as a dancer. Hmm. I find that really weird. Yeah. I don't really know what they mean by that. No idea. (laughs) And fired him from the crew. And I think this was like a big indicator to Britney that she didn't actually have control creatively or otherwise Mm. of what was going on around her life. Mm Mm-hmm. So even the thing that was probably the most important to her to keep these dancers and keep this support system, at least in her performing, she did not have control over that. Ugh. Um, so during her tour, and this was basically every single tour was pretty much the same, she had the most grueling schedule I have ever heard. Oh, God. So I'm going to just lay out the schedule that sounds insane. She referred to it as Britney's Groundhog Day, mm. which is a the phrase she was still using in, like, 2008, 2009. So she was using this phrase for years. Oh, my God. <laughs> so she would wake up in her hotel room around noon. She would do an hour workout, non-dancing workout, mm-hmm. followed by a thousand crunches. Insanity. Um, <laughs> if she did any less than that, she was not satisfied. Um, she would then usually have a meet and greet with fans. So that would be meeting up with like up to 80 people one-on-one. Oh my God. So one at a time, meeting up with these people, taking photos with them, etc. Yeah. Meet and greets are insane. Mm-hmm. Followed by usually an on-camera or radio interview, sometimes several, and a press junket that usually lasted between two and four hours. Huh. And then she would have prep for Showtime, which was like a two-hour, you know, prep of her in her dressing room, listening to Madonna and uh, taking a little bit of time for herself. Uh, She would do another thousand crunches before she went on stage. Yeah. (laughs) Which is like... The thousand before was already insane. I'm not... she did another thousand. Sure that I could even do 300 crunches. No. Um, but I guess it explains why she was so insanely toned. Yeah. I mean, she also has like, this is beside the point, but I've been watching a lot of Britney music videos while Mm -hmm. I've been doing this research. Um, and she has an incredibly long torso for her body. Oh. Like her torso is very much like the same length as like her legs. Mm. Um, so that probably also helped as far being like. Very toned. Yeah. I mean, the 2000 crunches. Right. We're (laughs) definitely doing some heavy lifting, but I just thought that was interesting. Um, So she would do her 1000 crunches and then she would perform. After the show, she would crash in her bus, which if you'll remember from last episode, this was a five bus party. Right. Um, And she had her own private room in one of the buses. So she would crash in the bus and then be woken up again once they arrived at the next hotel in order for her to check in. So this was maybe around like four or five in the morning. (laughs) Um, and then she would sleep, wake up, and start all over again. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It was insane. She was on a very strict diet, high protein, low carbs, mm-hmm. except for her Pop-Tarts and grits in the morning, which were the two things she was allowed. I can't even imagine. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so, clearly, this is a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. So, this is when we first get the entrance of... Some of these mental health issues. So, obviously, she is exhausted. She spends all of her time busy and doing a lot of physical exertion. Her sleep is being interrupted constantly. She's always in a different place. Um, And she's already kind of an unsettled person. They describe it as anxiety a lot. uh, And I'll kind of get into that more later. But I feel like it's not exactly the right word Mm -hmm. to describe what she was going through. 
But, you know, a lot of times after these grueling meet and greets and press junkets, she would be in tears because of exhaustion. And she was just so tired. There was no end in sight. Mm-hmm. And then she would just stop crying, like wave her hands in her face and just be like, oh, I'm just being silly. I'm fine. And just move right on. And I don't necessarily think that's a weird reaction, especially given her upbringing. She was probably yeah. told to suck it up a lot. Probably. So didn't really feel like she could express those emotions. Mm-mm. But I also feel like somebody else should have picked up on this. Oh, absolutely. It's one of these things that it's like, I don't know, maybe in the early 2000s, people were just not thinking about mental health in the way we do now. But mm-hmm. I feel like if somebody I knew was doing that, that would be concerning. Be very concerning. Um. And often, you know, breaking down and then just sweeping it under the rug and moving on. Somebody should have been checking in. Um, Yeah, those are insane mood swings to be having for literal years. Yes. And on top of, like, this just insane work schedule, it's like, you need to be taking breaks. Um, So she started, you know, basically disassociating like she did as a kid. So Mm. she would go into her hotel room. And do the same thing she did as a kid, where she goes into her little imagination world. But mm-hmm. when she was a kid, obviously, it was, like, her performing and whatever. Now, she would fantasize about, like, living a normal life. She fantasized about opening a little coffee shop or a bead store <laughs> where Aww. she'd serve people and chat all day. Oh, no. <laughs> that was, like, her fantasy. <laughs> it's, like, really funny. It was very cute. Uh, she was literally having, like, cottagecore fantasies. <laughs> <laughs> As she should, because it's, it's great. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of disassociation. She would be very disconnected before being, you know, in the spotlight, not necessarily as performing, but having the meet and greets and all of these, like, press junkets. So she would just be sitting there, like, staring off into space. And then the moment that was like, okay, you're on... She'd flip a switch and be a different person. So it it sounds like she was very much, like, disconnected from her real life. Yeah, for sure. To me, that sounds like disassociation. I'm not a fucking doctor. (laughs) Like, don't, I'm gonna... Newsflash, people. Alaska's not a fucking doctor. (laughs) We know. No, I'm just kidding. Um, And with that said, I'm about to make a lot of very broad statements about her mental health. Uh, So forgive me. Yeah. It's my show. I can... Do what I want. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. Don't listen to me. Don't take advice from me. Um, so in this book I was reading, obviously I've been, you know, using it as sort of a guideline moving through her life. They keep talking about the fluctuation between anxiety and depression. And I feel like anxiety is not the right word. No. Like he's describing her as being agitated and like not being able to sleep you know, she's making impulsive decisions. She's calling people at all hours of the night. Yeah. Um, you know, she can't rest yeah. ever. <laughs> Sounds like a, another word. Yes, um. which we'll get into in a minute. <laughs> I was like reading this. I was like, that is not what anxiety is. But no. I think there's a bigger issue, which we're now seeing. P- I, at least I'm seeing a lot of people talk about this now of how like anxiety is sort of an umbrella term mm-hmm. that's used for women when they have any emotion that is not a standard emotion. They're like, yeah. she's anxious. Um, and sometimes you're like, she's in a psychotic break. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. talking to somebody on the wall and they're like, just anxiety. She's in a silly, anxious mood. <laughs> like, I don't think that's anxiety. No. Um, so, you know. I I feel like another thing where it's just like somebody should have been paying attention. They described her, you know, not this author specifically, but like people who knew her at the time were describing her as like 
being super agitated and having anxiety. Mm. And then that would be contrasted with extreme lows where she would cry often and be seen brooding, which is another term (laughs) that I feel like is super dismissive in this case. Yeah, I'm like... Brooding. Um, brooding is like what you call Edward Cullen. Like yes. it is not. <laughs> yeah, brooding is like you know, like, oh emo, sad, sad girl boy. over there. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Okay. Um. So I was reading this, and I was like, this does not sound like anxiety. This definitely sounds like bipolar disorder. Yes. Um, <laughs> Capital M mania. <laughs> yes, without a doubt. Um. And. She's never publicly said fully that she has bipolar disorder. Um, She has, like, sort of mentioned it in interviews. Mm. And obviously we'll get into this pretty in detail later, but her doctor did prescribe her lithium against her will was one of the things she talks about whenever Mm. she was in court. But um, lithium is a medication used only to treat bipolar disorder. So I want to take a minute and talk about what bipolar disorder is Mm -hmm. because while we are probably very well versed in what that might be (laughs) despite the fact that neither of us have it which is a surprise you never know i have my break at any moment (laughs) i'm 23 babe (laughs) so it's a mood disorder um and it's caused by extreme mood swings which include emotional highs so mania or hypomania Mm -hmm. and then extreme lows depression Mm -hmm brooding if you will brooding (laughs) uh this disorder is genetic so it basically doesn't have any environmental causes Mm -hmm. although it's usually triggered by something in your environment but you're either born with it or you're not Mm -hmm. um it's very possible that her mother or father could have had bipolar as well i'm not a doctor (laughs) yeah but based on what I have read about her father with his, like, poor judgment and, like, overspending and, you know, crazy choices, being very impulsive, leaving people and then coming back into their life willy-nilly, he very well could have bipolar disorder. Yeah. <laughs> I think many people have gone untreated. Very many. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so it can come on at any time obviously mm-hmm. but it's most common for it to be triggered in the late teens or early 20s usually by some kind of stressor yeah so the people that i know in real life who have bipolar disorder had something that they a lot of it's like college or just like life stresses mm-hmm. but they mount and that's what triggers this disorder to come on yes um which clearly there are plenty of opportunities for that to happen to Brittany and also to jamie i mean if we you know remember all the way back to episode one all the crazy stuff that happened to him when he was like you know yes a teenager early 20s exactly <laughs> there's a lot there yeah <laughs> um so i want to just describe what mania and hypomania are Uh, They're two different things, despite having a very similar name. Basically, mania is a much more severe um, version of hypomania, Mm -hmm. although they have a lot of the same symptoms, but it's just like how long you have these symptoms for and um, how extreme they are. So hypomania is a lot more common for people with like bipolar 2 or um, even people with like borderline personality disorder can experience hypomania. But it has to include three or more of these symptoms. So that would be abnormally upbeat, jumpy, or wired, uh, increased activity, energy, or agitation, exaggerated sense of well being and self confidence, or euphoria, decreased need for sleep, unusual talkativeness, racing thoughts, distractibility and poor decision-making. For example, going on buying sprees, taking sexual risks, or making foolish investments. 
like I said, it feels like everything they're describing or like them just describing mania, textbook mania, and yeah. then just not looking up any of these. <laughs> yeah. Because like, yes, anxiety can cause agitation, but agitation agitation is not a symptom of anxiety. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like when you're really anxious, you can become agitated because you're like frustrated, but mm-hmm. it's not the same as like, you know, the chemicals in your brain getting fucked up and right. you. Right being agitated you know so and then depressive mood i feel like i don't really need to go through these symptoms i feel like we all know what depression is we all you know, know what depression is <laughs> just this point. who doesn't mood, have it feeling sad empty <laughs> hopeless um you know insomnia or sleeping too much slowed behavior fatigue feelings of worthlessness all the fun stuff mm-hmm. um so i i don't know it makes a lot of sense to me that she would have bipolar and obviously there are multiple types of bipolar i think there are four Mm -hmm. but i'm pretty sure that she has if she does have bipolar at all she has bipolar one which includes um extreme mania Mm -hmm. and so that would be like bipolar two is the hypomania it's kind of smaller fluctuations and it can cause like slight psychotic breaks like hypomania can but usually it's just like paranoia you know thinking people on the train can hear your thoughts that kind of thing um, bipolar one can cause full psychotic breaks, like mm. full breaks from reality. If you know, it can be a lot more detrimental as far as to that person's life and how they're acting. Right. Um, I just think that's important keeping that in mind going forward. Nobody was helping her and she had a disorder that is extremely difficult to manage. Yes, even if you are aware of it and are treating it. Yes. It's still really, really hard. It's it's very difficult to manage. And, you know, I said last time that she was taking Prozac, which it can make it worse. I yes. was researching that. Uh, some people have said it's better, but I was reading specific, like, medical websites and they were saying that it can actually trigger manic episodes and <laughs> worsen the symptoms of bipolar disorder. So... You know, probably shouldn't have been taking that. Obviously, <laughs> she was given lithium, which is a very intense mood stabilizer. Mm-hmm. I'm sure people have had good experiences with it. Every single person that I know that had bipolar or has bipolar disorder who has been prescribed lithium has said it is terrible <laughs> <laughs> and, like, very difficult to deal with. Yeah. Um, I would also just like to say, as a side note, this has nothing to do with Brittany, but while I was researching this, I found out that they don't know like how lithium works <laughs> they're just what? like it can kind of help we think they're like sometimes but they don't know like what it's doing no <laughs> they're just like i don't know sometimes they just don't seem as crazy so like, just keep them on it oh what <laughs> um i don't know how science works but yes. i think you're supposed to understand things before you can just give them to people willy-nilly <laughs> oh my god um that just made me lose my mind a little bit <laughs> yeah um And I think this bipolar disorder, at least the symptoms of such, pair really well with the next topic, which I wanted to talk a little bit about whether this level of fame is traumatic. Mm -hmm. Because I remember reading something a couple of years ago talking about Justin Bieber specifically, and they were talking about some of his behavior as he became an adult, and that trauma can halt your growth as a person. So your brain kind of stops developing, it gets stuck. Which is what trauma is. Like, it breaks apart in your neural pathways, which is, you know, it makes it very difficult to process information and grow as a person. Um, Sorry, 
So uh, I did find a couple articles talking about trauma caused by fame. Obviously, there's not a whole lot of studies with this because, you know, what famous person is <laughs> really talking about it? And there are a lot of intense things that can be going on, but it, it seems pretty obvious that this kind of attention from the world and pressure from everyone around you would cause a traumatic response. Absolutely. Um, Especially trauma. with Brittany, of like, I feel like it's a perfect storm for her of how she had overnight fame, which doesn't happen to all celebrities, you know, having um, a lot of people around her rely on her financially, which is not true of most celebrities who come from very rich families who don't need that kind of support from them. And, you know, being at a certain age like that, like she wasn't a full form adult by the time she was famous. It was just like all three of those things are just made yes. it so easy for her specifically to like have that kind of trauma for Absolutely. sure. Um, which trauma, I feel like it's a word that gets thrown around a lot, but it basically just means anything that deregulates your system. Mm -hmm. And that can be very small. It can be like being bullied in school can be traumatic. You know, they're mm -hmm. like, very small things can be traumatic. And so having the entire world talk about your inner life and judge every single thing that you do, um, I can imagine that that would be extremely traumatic. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And obviously we see from a lot of, especially child stars, that their lives go off the rails as they become an adult. And I don't think that is, you know, by accident. I no. think that there is definitely a cause and effect here. Absolutely there is. All right, so now we're going to go backwards again, mm -hmm. and we're going to talk about Justin Timberlake. <laughs> this bitch. <laughs> this bitch. So, obviously, Justin and Brittany met on Mickey Mouse Club. Right. Um, she later opened for them for NSYNC on their first tour. Uh, so they had a lot in common. I felt like Justin probably understood her intense fame trauma. Mm. And, you know, the expectations of her life and her tour... I'm sure they had a, a kinship based around this. Mm -hmm. They started dating when Britney was 17, although this was publicly kept under wraps. It benefited both camps to keep it a secret because, you know, men could fantasize about being with Britney or young boys, whatever. Mm -hmm. And young women, young girls could pretend to be with Justin because, mm -hmm. you know, he's boy band, right. whatever. Um, so management from both sides was very much encouraging them to not be publicly together. Right. So they would go to, you know, clubs in L.A. and be in these little, like, hidden booths together. And then they would leave separately and be seen leaving alone. One of the people who, like, escorted Britney out of one of these clubs later worked for Obama. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Which is just weird. Yeah. I was like, what is going on? Um, so we know that they were together um, by the end of January of 1999, but obviously they started getting close during the tour in November of 1998. Mm. Um, it seems like they were pretty close. Obviously, they didn't get to spend that much time together because they both had crazy schedules, but he would come and visit her on set for her videos, you know, surprise her while she was on tour. Like one time she came to her dressing room and he was there playing her in on the piano. <laughs> That's so cute. Yeah. Um, I think he was very much the over-the-top romantic type. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting. Uh, they have a lot of descriptions about 
what the couple was like in real life. And Justin Timberlake was always, like, charismatic, over-the-top, like, you know, born-to-be-a-star kid. Mm. And Britney, when she wasn't, you know, Britney the celebrity, was very shy. And just, like, glued to his side and just, like, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, I'm just here because this is where I can hang out with my boyfriend. But it was, like, (laughs) just, it seemed like a mismatched couple to, like, people looking in. Right. (laughs) Um, So... By late 2001, the knowledge that they were dating was out in public, and they were essentially living together. She bought a house in L.A., and he moved in, I guess. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, I think there was talks of marriage. I don't know if it was between them or just, like, the mm. media felt the need to be involved in their personal relationship. Right. They always got to up the ante. Yeah, yeah. Very much a, like, Brad Pitt, Jennifer Aniston. Right. Rigmarole. Right. Um... And we know how that worked out. (laughs) Just so well. Just so well. It's, like, so good. Um, So then came the breakup (laughs) that everyone knows about, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Um, Justin made it pretty clear publicly that she had betrayed him. And she basically admitted to doing something technically, but said that it was never quite as black and white as it was initially indicated. Hmm. Like, as he initially indicated it was. Yeah. Um, so what we do know is that there was a letter discovered at her house that implied something had happened between her and her choreographer, Wade Robson, the guy I talked about last time. Right. A huge fight took place. Lots of tears. Brittany did not apologize because she didn't think it was a big deal. I think it was just like she kissed him. I don't know. Oh, okay. It's not really necessarily important, but I'm just kind of setting the scene for what happens next. Mm. Uh, she thought Justin was overreacting. Mm. Obviously, he did not feel this way. They had a public breakup, but then they were kind of rekindling the relationship. And then something else happened, but no one has ever said what. And Justin broke it off for good and, hmm. you know, realized that he could never trust her. I don't know. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, I just, like, found this really interesting. I feel like the guy who wrote the book that I'm reading really likes Justin Timberlake. Mm. Um <laughs> I don't necessarily feel that way, but, you know, they talk about how supportive he was of Britney and how much he cared about her and how much he loved her. And he wanted to treat her so well, but I feel like you don't really know someone until you break up with them. You don't really know who they are until they hate you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we definitely saw the real Justin after this. Yes. And so his whole thing about, I'm still, you know, I would still take care of you, blah, blah, blah. And then using her... Uh, this whole incident to basically launch his career as a single artist. Yeah. As an adult man. Yeah. Uh, so he released Crimea River, the song in the music video. <laughs> this came Dear out Lord. in December of 2002 and it is hilarious. Uh, it is so early 2000s. <laughs> the drama. <laughs> in every way. So I'm going to have you describe it. I honestly think you should go and watch it if yes. you have the time, but Go ahead and describe it for anyone that doesn't have the time to do that right now. <laughs> right. So, um, Crimea River starts with uh, a blurry couple, like, walking in the rain, like, out of a house past this car. And when they um, are out of sight, Justin is seen, like, in the car, like, all moody uh, with the window down. <laughs> he um, walks uh, into the house. Um, he breaks into the house. He, using, <laughs> he throws a rock into the He thing. throws a rock into a window, like, door um, in this house, walks in there. And does some 
2000s hip-hop gravity-defying dance <laughs> moves, um, just, like, as he's waiting around yes. for this other woman to show up. Right, and she's in the car with him at the beginning. Yes. And then, uh, who's the other guy that's on the phone? I don't I know. always forget his name. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember who um, it is. But, you know, he sends her in. Yeah, he sends well. her in after, you know, Justin's broken in um and justin videotapes himself and the woman making out on the bed and then um which is also weird because she takes her shirt off and then the video that he films is so close to their face it's literally like just outlining you can't their faces. even see their hair no. that's how close it is and so then I was like, um why did she take we don't her even off? know where they are like if you had just seen that video you'd be like what's even happening why'd yeah. you take your shirt off for this yeah it was so weird um, and then the woman from the blurry couple at the beginning shows back up, and it's, like, clearly meant at this point to look like Britney. Oh, yes. And She's wearing a very distinctive Britney outfit. Very much so, yeah. I can't, I couldn't find, like, a picture or anything that was, like, of that exact outfit, but I'm pretty sure she's worn, like, this exact outfit somewhere, yes. like, to, like, a, you know, a red carpet or something. And, uh, he... Uh, stalks her mm-hmm. through the house as she goes to take a shower and he just like watches her in the shower and then runs away just before he's caught by her. Yes. And that's the end of the video. Well, she walks out of the shower and she sees the weird video of him making out with a girl on the TV. Right. But it's like edited really weird. It's edited I'm like, really it's weird. like a TikTok edit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it really is. It really is. This video is so ridiculous. I watched it so many times in preparation for this. Um, obviously it was, you know, it did remarkably well. It yeah. definitely jump-started his career onto another level. Yes. Uh, received several awards. Um, <laughs> but I think it's interesting that, like, at the time, people were like, this is so good. And now, if you go and look at that video on YouTube, the comments are not in Justin's favor. They people are not. are not really supporting him. Um, they seem to be realizing how much damage he actually did with this video. So, you know, he took control of this narrative Mm -hmm. when this happened and people were already going to believe him over her because he's a man yes i mean what does this child's play like we all know yes um and he very much like aired his dirty laundry out Mm -hmm. of like her like hurting him to the point where she had to answer to it in interviews Mm -hmm. i don't really feel like that's a appropriate thing to do. I think it's really shitty. It's really evil. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, everybody deals with their emotions in different ways, but this was like a year after their breakup and he called her right before the video came out and he was like, just so you know, there's a lookalike of you in the video, but it's not a big deal. (laughs) What? Boy. Um, (laughs) So I'm going to read some of these like just little snippets. Um, So... He originally denied that Spears inspired the video, which, like, <laughs> we can see it. Yeah. We have eyes. Yeah. Uh, but he did tell her, you know, that she received a call from him saying that there was a lookalike in the music video. She states that he reassured her by saying, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. Spears, <laughs> who had not seen the video, said she allowed him to do so because, uh, but became infuriated after watching it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she recalled that when she asked why he made a video about her, he replied, well, I got a controversial video. She stated that it was a great publicity stunt, commenting, so he got what he wanted. I think it looks like such a desperate attempt, personally. <laughs> <laughs> Good for her. I was like, it was. It really was. Um, You know, I get that, like, controversy sells, but 
to yeah. have that right up against this author being so obsessed with how well he treated her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's not really the actions of someone who treats someone well. No. And I would also like to <laughs> remind everyone that a couple years ago, he publicly said that her career was over because, like, Las Vegas was where, you know, performers' careers go to die. <laughs> And now he's like, oh, it's not good what's happening to her. And it's like, a bitch. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Mind your own business. Yeah. I also think it's funny, too, that um, in response to people being like, hey, the um, actions that you're doing in this video are, like, really weird. Like, why are you stalking her? Like, if this whole song is basically, like bye bitch or whatever um and he tried to be like um i just like wanted to make sure that nobody looked good in this video like he's like there's not supposed to be a winner in this video i was like "Uh." okay but your career Um, stacy you were the winner yes your career says that and um i don't know just crazy (laughs) i don't what goes on in that man's head i don't understand oh god it's so weird um that music video just has such a weird vibe to it that i can't even explicitly say yeah so a year later um after this video comes out Britney releases a music video for the song every time Mm -hmm. uh this was directed by the guy who took the photo of her for the rolling stones cover that we covered in detail right um last week so i am gonna have you describe this video as well okay so this video starts with Britney and a man in her limo um while crazy fans and paparazzi are like surrounding it So the man is ignoring her in the car, and as they're getting out of the car, she's immediately getting pushed by paparazzi and fans, um, and he doesn't even notice until he starts getting pushed, and then he gets angry and starts throwing things at the paparazzi. Um, Brittany and the man fight as their security detail tries to calm them down and keep them moving, and by the time they arrive at home, he tries to apologize, and Brittany pushes him off, and so he goes batshit crazy and starts... (laughs) smashing tables and vases like kicking cups over so Brittany goes into the bathroom to take a bath which i just want to interject here yeah. of a very funny sequence where they're she's in the bathroom and he's in the living room and then they both take their shirts off <laughs> like, and something is so funny to me about they're just so mad that they both just gotta like take their shirt because like for her at first she's like oh she's like getting in the bath and then it immediately cuts to him taking his shirt, shirt off also <laughs> for no reason like and i've never been in a fight that like lasts for so long and erupts so violently and then thought need to take my shirt off yeah i've never (laughs) i've never like been in an argument and be like oh i'm taking my shirt off (laughs) i need to cool off that's never my thought i just think it's so funny it's so funny um Okay, so she's in the bathroom and she's um, going to take a bath and then she realizes her head is bleeding and she just sinks into the bathtub. She then has a vision of herself in the hospital being treated by doctors and is also watching a woman give birth in the next bed. That's intercut with the man discovering her and pulling her out of the bathtub. But the video ends with Brittany actually pushing herself out of the water alone. Right, so basically indicating that it was like a fantasy. Yeah. Um, You know. People called this suicide ideation. I feel like that's maybe overstating it. So I'm going to read just a couple of these uh, quotes as well. Um, so somebody commented, <laughs> uh, the every time video presents a moment of existential indecision, a fugue of suicide ideation in <laughs> which the singer fantasizes about her own death. 
And in a Rolling Stone article in 2009, uh, they called it horribly prophetic and depressing and added that the clip foreshadowed Spears' struggles with fame and mental instability. I think that foreshadowing is not the right word because Mm -hmm. I think Britney was already struggling. (laughs) Yeah, it was like she didn't, like, start struggling when she you know, had more public breakdowns. Like, she's been struggling. Yeah. Yeah, that's, like, very like, weird. Foreshadowing is a very funny way of just, like, saying yeah, she currently was, like, suffering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would be like if you were, like, I'm depressed, and then they were, like, okay. And then, like, you know, you were hospitalized a couple of years, and then it was, like, that was foreshadowing. It's oh, my like, God. It's not a book, babe. Like, <laughs> I just told you. <laughs> her admitting to her mental illness was a foreshadow to her mental illness. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. Oh, my God. Big brain. <laughs> Write that down, write that down. It's not foreshadowing, it's real life. Yes, it's happening currently. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, I also don't really see the suicide ideation. I mean, a little bit. Like, obviously, she's like fantasizing about herself dying, but I don't really think that really qualifies as suicide ideation. No. Suicide ideation is more like being able to disconnect from your world in a way that's like, none of my problems matter because I can always kill myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what suicide ideation is. Yeah. This is not necessarily that. This is... I just feel like it's not necessarily the right term to use. But Absolutely. I mean, because the emphasis is not on the fact that she slides into the bathtub or anything like that. It's the emphasis on the people around her trying to help her. Doctors trying to revive her, her boyfriend or whatever, pulling her out of the tub. But it ends up being that she has to do it all on her own. She has to push herself out of the tub. Like, yeah. that's what the thing is. I feel like suicidal ideation is just, like, the stopping point. It's just getting to kill yourself. That's, like, that's it. That's right. all you care and about. And then to cover it also with, like, a circle of life theme. Yeah. With the baby being born in the next room. Yeah. It's also not really... It, it kind of pushes against that no. theme of suicide ideation. Yeah, it's very much focused on her... Um, wished that people would help her. Mm-hmm. She, the, it's very much more of a cry for help. Right. She wanted to be rescued. Yes. Um, things only get more stressful from here. Um, she's still working an insane amount. Obviously, she just jumps right back into a tour after the breakup with Justin. Not stopping ever. <laughs> nope. And she no longer has like that grounding addition of Justin in her life, whether mm-hmm. or not he's a good dude. I think he definitely offered some stability to her. Um, and the fact that he knew her in a world where she really didn't even know herself and nobody else was close to her or caring for her. Uh, she was growing more distant from her mother, which before she couldn't even sleep in a bed alone. She would sleep in the same bed as her mom because she was just, you know, dealing with a lot of things and being away from home. During this time, she goes distance from her mom because her mom is trying to control everything about her life, Mm -hmm. including who she's spending time with, while Brittany is sort of divulging into a party lifestyle. I think that's pretty normal for this age, like 21, 22, (laughs) like college kids do all the time. I think it's definitely accelerated by the fact that she's dealing with mental health issues and a lot of pain. Absolutely. I think we've all gone through bad breakups and then been dumb for six months plus. Yeah. I think it's a requirement of <laughs> yeah. human life. Yeah, I'm like, that's kind of just what you do. I think that's super normal. Mm-hmm. Um, they all, like, a lot of stuff at the time, they were like, crazy party girl. I don't really feel like this is the crazy part. Because, like, her just going to parties and, like, doing some drugs occasionally, I was like, all right, it's pretty normal. Yeah, yeah, super (laughs) Um, normal. So, obviously, she's still taking Prozac, and she's also taking a medication called Xantrex 3, (laughs) which is a weight loss pill. 
uh, which I was researching. Apparently, they people know this because she dropped a bunch of them in the airport. I think she was trying very hard to like maintain her weight mm. during a time when she was also dealing with a lot of bad things in her life. Yeah, um, and had a lot of pressure to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. These capsules have an enormous amount of caffeine, more than 160 milligrams per capsule. Which, for reference, most cups of coffee are like 50 to 80. Yep. And Brittany was also an avid coffee drinker, so she was ingesting an insane amount of caffeine, which oh on God. its own can be a trigger for mania. Yes. <laughs> yes, it can. It was really weird. I was reading about it, so I was trying to look up, like, um, you know, what Xantrax does and, and how it affects your body. And so I ended up reading these side effects, and this is disgusting, but people described it as literally causing a upside-down volcano of your body because of the amount of caffeine in it. And the company is like, no, we don't have that much caffeine. But then like the FDA was like, you have this much caffeine in it. And I'm like, I, why would they just lie? I don't know. It's very weird. Very sketchy. You can still buy it. Don't buy it. (laughs) Lord. It's just caffeine. Um, I I know it has other stuff in it. It's like green tea extract and whatever people Uh, think causes. Yeah. I was like, it's just, caffeine is an appetite suppressant. Yes. Um, yes. So she has a short relationship with Fred Durst from Limp Bizkit. <laughs> oh, he's so ugly. He's so ugly. <laughs> I was like, oh, girl, I mean, I know you're going through it, but Fred Durst. Um, and then he basically immediately went on the Howard Stern radio show and talked about how she drank too much, did too many drugs, and partied all the time, and then explained in explicit detail how she seduced him. So very much leaning into this idea of like her not being a person and more of like a commodity or something that needed to be conquered. Yeah. And bragged about. Okay. Um, so this is a PSA. It is time to throw hands with Fred Durst. <laughs> I'm like, all right, Fred. So we're going to fight then. Yeah. So we're going to fight. Those are fighting words. <laughs> all right. All right. I'm like disgusting. Ugh. Like just don't share that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's Jesus. so weird. Um, so after this comes the very famous 55 hour marriage. Iconic behavior. Honestly, this is so funny to me. So they're having some celebration in Kentwood, obviously where she's from. And I think her mom was like annoying her. Mm. (laughs) And so she decides to fly the group to Vegas for New Year's Eve. Uh, this is like going into 2004. Mm -hmm. Um, so she flies into Vegas. This includes her brother, Brian, her older brother. Two of her childhood friends, Courtney and Elizabeth, and a local man, which is how they describe him in the book, a local man, uh, named Jason Alexander. I think that he was friends with, like, her friends. Yeah. Because using the phrase, a local man, makes it sound like she just, like, found a guy and was like, this guy's also coming with us. It's like inviting your Uber driver to the party you're going to. It's like, I think that she knew him a little bit. Like, I don't think they were friends, but she definitely knew knew them well enough to be in this group of people. I think it's so much funnier, though, if he was just a local man. And, like, good for him. They were decided at the airport, she's like, you... Get in the car. He's like, Britney Spears, you want me to go with you to Vegas? And he's like, I'm not doing anything. He's like, all right. <laughs> so um, they first kind of started their relation, I guess, on New Year's Eve when midnight struck and the two started just going at it. Love it. Um, they just, they then spent the next two days having sex in her hotel room in between watching Mona Lisa Smile and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. As we know, it's a double feature. The sexiest movie you can watch. Um, <laughs> something about that just really tickled me. I was like, that's very funny. 
Um, it really gets you in the mood. <laughs> I would also like to say, and this is so gross to me, that this book describes the sex they're having as unprotected sex, uh, which I'm like, first of all, why okay. do you know this? <laughs> How did you find this out, Strange sir? English man that's scandalized by everything. Stop talking about unprotected sex. I was like, it changes nothing about the story, whether or not they were using protection. Yeah. It changes absolutely nothing. (laughs) But for some reason, he needed to include it. Um, And I just thought that was really weird. I feel like British people are so repressed that the act of having sex at all is like unprotected sex to them. (laughs) They're like unprotected sex. Unmarried. (laughs) Not protected by God. Um... (laughs) Uh, so then in the early morning hours, she on, I think, January 3rd, she asks him if he wants to get married. And he's like, for sure. <laughs> and by 3.30 yeah. a.m., they were dressed in casual clothes and headed to the Little White Wedding Chapel, Aww. where they paid 55 bucks for their um, <laughs> marriage. Five certain. hours of marriage. Wow. I know. Pretty on the nose. Um, <laughs> A dollar an hour marriage. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes it's like that, I guess. You know, good for her. True impulsivity, obviously. <laughs> um, I just think I was like, this is hilarious. I think she got a lot of flack for this, but honestly, I think it was just, like, iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm gonna read a, a few little things from the book, because they're just too funny for me to put in my own words. Back in Kentwood, the groom's father, Dennis, was working under the bonnet of a truck when a reporter asked him for a comment about the wedding to Brittany, and he said, what y'all talking about? My boy's not even in Vegas. <laughs> That's how he writes it. Um, which has the same energy as J.K. Rowling writing, like, Cockney accents out. And it's like, we get it, you hate poor people. Like, it just has the same energy. <laughs> it really does. Oh, I never thought about it that way. That's so funny. Um, nobody knew that this was happening. Her friends were still back at, you know, Palm's Casino, sleeping away, yeah. unaware that she just got married. Um, and then Lynn, Brittany's mom, gets a call <laughs> from Brittany, breaking the news that she had indulged in a spur-of-the-moment wedding. <laughs> and so, um, obviously, they got on a plane immediately, that being the Spears, the parents, uh, Larry Rudolph, uh, her manager, mm-hmm. two bodyguards, and an attorney, mm-hmm. and basically locked Brittany and... <laughs> Jason in the hotel room and we're like, you guys are not leaving this room until you sign um, an annulment. Like a thing that you're applying for an annulment based on incompatibility and flawed judgment. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's like crazy. Um, So obviously they did sign it. Yeah. um, And filed it. And it it was interesting because Jason, I don't really think, understood what was happening because he thought that they were just, they just had to do this to get the management to leave them alone. And then she was going to come back and they were going to continue their relationship despite the fact that they didn't know each other at all. (laughs) Oh, Jason. Oh, Jason. Um, (laughs) So, you know, Brittany was like, it was just a thing she did. (laughs) <laughs> she was just like I just did that yeah main character shit no um <laughs> so that is one of my favorite Britney stories again I think people gave her like way too much slack for this she was just like 
I'm like, this is just a thing that people do sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, it's definitely an impulsive choice. Mm -hmm. Um, But nevertheless, I do think it's just funny. I think it's hilarious. Okay. So I know this episode has not been that long, but it's kind of a weird stopping point because in the next episode of Free Britney, we are going to get into the Kevin Federline story. Yes. And all of what that was. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So basically the next episode of Free Britney is going to be Kevin Federline, her having her kids and then the public breakdown. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, we'll have an episode specifically breaking down what a conservatorship is. Mm-hmm. However, we are not doing this next week. We are taking a break from the series next week. And right. we are going to cover the mysterious death of a family in California. Yes. Recently. Yes. Um, because I can't stop reading about it. It's driving me crazy. Yeah, it's <laughs> insanity. Um, and it's been updated a lot recently. So we're going to have a short episode about that. And then mm-hmm. we will be back the week after to continue our Free Britney series. Yes. Yeah. Just a quick breaking news segment. Yes. <laughs> it's like, it's just a crazy story. I got to talk about it. It just has to be talked about. Yes. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. Bye. The Podcast Rejects is a Gamer Frauds Network production. Find us on Instagram at The Podcast Rejects. For early access to all Gamer Frauds Network content and a ton of exclusive perks, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash gamerfrauds.